welcome to the Ashley and Grace podcast show. We're two moms with kids that have special needs. We're sharing our journey because we want you to know you are not alone. Let's get to it. It's Kimberly from the Ashley and Grace Podcast Show. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. You know I'm always trying to squeeze three things in, but you know how that is. We got to get it in when we can. Hey, that's what it's all about. Yes. So I'm so excited to talk to you. And uh, real quick, tell everyone your first and your last name. Wonderful. My name is Sanji, and my last name is Palmer. Just so you know, my dad... Okay, okay, I love it, I love it. And you know what? We, we've been given a, a great challenge in our life, and we need that left hook. There you go. <laughs> we need that left hook. There you go. That is correct. So, y- you've been parenting your son on the spectrum. His name is Jamal, right? That is correct. Yes. How old is he now? Jamal is 24 years old. Okay, awesome. So, okay. I know that there are like thousands, we could talk for like days because we, we just can talk when we, whenever we get a chance and we'll try and focus on one thing that we want to talk about, but our conversations always go a million one places, right? That is correct, yes. But today, and I just want to talk about medication. And I want to talk about your journey with your son and anything else you want to share, but I really want to talk about his journey of your journey of medication, what you've done from the very start to where you are now. And I'm not going to interrupt you. I am just going to let you talk. So whenever you're ready, go for it. Okay, wonderful. And then just so you know, if you do have any questions, don't hesitate to ask me. Because sometimes I can get off track because uh, Jamal was diagnosed when he was uh, five years and eight months. So there's a lot of terminology and things that I've learned over the years. And sometimes I I may think that you know, and if you don't know, and if the people that are listening to the podcast don't know, you can always stop and ask me any kind of questions that you want, Kim. Okay. And side note, if, if, if I get distracted, we're just going to pick it back up because I'm trying to awesome. get th- Look, I'm trying to get this in in between Grace getting out of school early today, oh, okay. which I did okay. not plan. But let's go for it. Oh, Come on. Okay. okay, wonderful. Okay. Okay, so um, Jamal, um, when I had Jamal back in 1995, and when he was first initially born, um, they do the hepatitis B prick on the heel of his foot. And then, you know, that's the first vaccination that our kids get. And so after he had the vaccination, about four days later, he had a fever of 106.5. So I had to rush him to the emergency room. And when we got there, um, they, the doctors was rushing around and everything, um, trying to get his fever down because he was only four days old. And so they could not break the fever for two weeks. Oh. He had a fever of 106.5, and a lot of people don't know fever rises at night. So he would be okay during the daytime, but at night the fever would rise. So what they do when they have an infant that's 
like four days old and then has a fever, they, they diagnosed it as a high unknown fever. So what they had to do was put him in isolation in an incubator away from everybody else because they didn't know what he had. So what they do at that point is they'll test the kids for spinal meningitis. They'll get some Petri dishes and grow some bacteria and viruses within 24 to 48 hours to see if anything grows in there. And in the meantime, they give your kid every antibiotic known to mankind just in case whenever those two to four days if anything grows in the petri dishes a virus or a bacteria they would have already addressed it by giving him strong doses of antibiotics so during that two-week period his fever would not break they tested him for spinal meningitis nothing he came out negative for spinal meningitis and nothing grew in the petri dishes but they could not break the fever for two weeks so what they would do was give him a combination of motrin and ibuprofen Mm -hmm. to try to break the fever and then so how the fever broke was after two weeks he broke out in a rash and then they will not release you until you can sustain not having a fever for 24 hours so he broke out in a rash and then he was able to maintain uh where he did not have a fever for 24 hours, and then he was released. And the official diagnosis was high unknown fever. So that was the first time we had, like, a really bad incident, like, with him being only four days old. Then it happened again when he was, like, maybe whenever you get the diphtheria Mm. um, vaccination. So five days later, and this is in Houston, Texas, all documented. So he had the diphtheria vaccination, Five days later, his fever was 105. Hmm. And um, back to this time, the first time he went to um, Memorial Hospital, and then the second time this happened, and he must have been around five weeks old, They rushed, we rushed him to Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, Texas. And again, they did another spinal tap. They put him in isolation for two weeks, giving him every antibiotic known to mankind, as well as the combination of Motrin and Tylenol. Mm -hmm. Two weeks went by, could not break the fever, nothing grew in the Petri dishes. Same thing, broke out in a rash. 24 hours later, the fever broke. And then he was able to sustain not having a fever for 24 hours. In the meantime, he was a very colicky baby. Um, He had some mild advances. Um, he He walked early, he walked at seven months however he did walk on his tippy toes um but very he cried a lot um i thought he had ear infections you know just we're always going back for thrush and uh those type of symptoms and it was almost to a point where he was going to have to have tubes in his ears mm-hmm. and then um he was just having a lot of issues in school but in the schools they, they're not allowed to diagnose your kid right so um, we didn't get a diagnosis until he was five years old because I had him in a, a private school, and they do the Becca curriculum, which is uh, a year and a half advanced in regular public schools. It's a Christian curriculum. Okay. So he could name his colors in English and Spanish, and so the doctor just kept saying, boys learn slow. But he knew how to count in English and Spanish, 
he knew his colors in English and Spanish, but he got diagnosed when he was five years, eight months. And then we got the diagnosis of PDD, NOS, PDD, NOS, OCD with ADHD. Okay, break all that that down. (laughs) Yes, okay, so that means pervasive developmental disorder with obsessive compulsive disorder, attention hyperactivity disorder is uh, in the, oh, I'm sorry, PDD, pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified. That's the NOS. Mm. So PDD, NOS, the OCD is the obsessive compulsive disorder, and then the ADHD. And so that's what he was diagnosed with. And so when I got the diagnosis, they give you one sheet of paper front and back, and they say, have a nice life. Hmm. And so you're like, okay, what do I do? Right. So uh, fortunate for me, um, I worked at a um, alternative. I had a a friend of mine, um, one of my customers owned her own vitamin shop. And um, I, you know, I asked all the questions, you know, what is autism? You try to do a lot of research. And I felt a little odd because the mom wasn't hitting all the marks of someone that was diagnosed with PDD. Okay. Um, so I was like questioning that diagnosis because he wasn't hitting all the markers. And then um, because I worked at a vitamin shop, I used to do herbal body wraps for someone who owned their own vitamin shop. It was called High on Health, and this is in Sugarland, Texas. And so um, what you normally do, like, because there's no cure for autism in the medical books, in the medical community. So what I did was I put in autism and alternative health. And even though he was diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder, it's within the DSM-5 diagnosis, which falls underneath the uh, umbrella of autism. Okay. So what I did was I Googled autism and alternative health to see what if anything would come up and one of the things that came up was um mercury induced autism and i was like what is that and so i looked into that and for me jamal hit every single one of those diagnoses Mm. there was not one on that chart that he did not hit now how he got that i have no idea at, in, at that point in time. So one of the things they say when a kid, a baby has mercury-induced autism, they walk on their tippy toes. And okay. Jamal walked on his tippy toes. One of the other diagnoses is they uh, walk early. And seven months is an early time for a child to be walking. Hmm. So it was very noticeable that, oh, you know, I thought I had a little runner on my hands because he was, you know, walking on his tippy toes at seven months. Unfortunately, it was one of the diagnoses of mercury-induced autism. Mm -hmm. So what happened, um, I just started going down that rabbit hole because he hit every single last one of the markers. And I was like, "This this is where I need to be. And so... When you put in, when you Google autism and alternative health, 
which is a very difficult thing to do if you were raised within the parameters of the medical community. It's very difficult to step outside of the box and try something alternative. But really, when you have an autistic kid or a child that has autism, because that's what they say now, you're not supposed to say autistic, but if you have a child that has autism or or is within the spectrum, Mm -hmm. there's no cure. So what are you supposed to do if there's no cure? Right. So you can go down that journey of thinking that there's no cure. Hmm. But if you put in alternative therapy, then a plethora of information comes up. And so one of the things that kept coming up was the mercury-induced autism. And then also a lot of kids at that time were doing a not a lot, but um, they were doing a gluten-free, casein-free diet. Yes. And so I went to his regular pediatrician, and I was like, I want to see if Jamal's allergic to milk. He was like, ah, oh, no, 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 you can't be allergic to milk. That's ridiculous or whatnot. But the test came back that he was actually allergic to milk. Hmm. And a lot of times, sometimes that doesn't even come up depending on how legitimate the testing is. Right. Okay, so at the time Jamal was diagnosed, he was five years, eight months. And then I put in the alternative therapy, and one of the things they were doing at that point in time was a gluten-free case and free diet, and not a lot of people were doing that. Okay. It was fortunate for myself that I, uh, my son's father is Nigerian. So I, was, I am familiar with the Nigerian market or an international market, and my mom is British. Okay. So we do a lot of alternative flowers and alternative, you know, like different foods than most Americans eat. Yes. So I had access to inter- the international market, and me living in Houston, that's even better. Yes. And so if you put your child on a gluten-free diet, let's say 15 years ago, you were doing everything manually. Mm-hmm. So there, but we're fortunate now that we have a lot of products that you can put your child on a gluten-free, casein-free diet. You can buy things where you're not like hand cooking right. everything. Yeah. So um, at the time Jamal was diagnosed, he would color like if he had a color crown, he would color with that same color all day. So he had a very rigid way of doing things. So if he picked a black color crown. Everything that he colored for that day would be black. Mm -hmm. If he picked up a brown crown, everything would be colored in brown. Mm -hmm. So when I decided to step out on faith, which all of us have to do at some point in time when you have a special needs kid, Mm -hmm. I said, let me see what will happen if I take milk away from him. And milk comes in a lot of forms, and a lot of people don't understand that. Milk is called casein, and that's the protein that's involved in the process of milk. Mm -hmm. So when you're drinking milk, it's called casein. So I removed the casein out of his diet. I removed everything that had casein in it. And at the time, back in 19, or that was 2000, I guess, Trident gum had casein in it. Mm. So you have to literally look at every label mm. to see if that casein protein is in the product. Yes. If you eat cheese it, if you eat that, those all will say casein on there. Mm. And that's what that is, a milk protein. 
do and a little so, bit more research on the stuff I'm using. Yeah. Okay, keep oh, going. Yeah. <laughs> keep oh, going. Yeah. oh, yeah. So I um, took him off of milk, and I still have his, I've kept everything that Jamal's had, and his way he was just coloring with one crown. Mm-hmm. When I removed him, the milk off out of his diet, within three days, he was using every color. In the rainbow. Wow. Wow. And so his his coloring was very br- vibrant. Mm-hmm. And I just was blown away. That's all I needed to run down that rabbit hole all mm-hmm. day long. So I, that's what helped me. That was the sign that I prayed for. I asked God for a sign. And that was as clear as day. Mm-hmm. Within three days, my child was using every color color in the crayon box. Wow. At at seven years old. And you just took the you, milk you, out of his you diet. You just took the milk. You just Nothing took, but not else. even that. You went a step further. It's not even that you took the you said, I want to know, is he allergic to milk? And you took yes. the incentive. So it's just doing some research. Okay, keep going. So okay, so now I'm like, okay. And then, so the next thing is a gluten-free diet. So gluten is actually the protein wheat. It's a wheat protein. And uh, so I was like, okay, that's one of the tougher things to remove because wheat is in everything. Mm -hmm. And so that's a longer process. And it's a lot of work because, like I said, everything has wheat in it. And so you have to do a lot of label reading. And so... The funny thing is, I didn't get as much of a of the results of, that I received from removing the milk. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you why. So I removed the wheat out of his diet, and we were using rice flour. We were using cassava. We were using corn flour. Mm-hmm. We were using garbanzo beans mm-hmm. as a alternative flour. And these type of flours exist in a lot of international markets. And so as I was making his tortillas from corn, from the masa, mm-hmm. from rice flour and there's different types of rice there's brown rice flour there's sweet rice flour there's different types of rice flours and rice milk as we know now and so when I was using those alternative flours I didn't see a big result and the reason why well what happened was one day I decided to clean out uh, my bedroom and I had um, this bed that had uh, like a nook that you could crawl into Mm -hmm. and apparently my son was crawling into that nook and he was going into the pantry and stealing the ramen noodles out of there and he was stealing the spaghetti noodles out of there he was stealing all of that that had the the one thing that was making him sick and when I say sick sick he had a he had a belly that looked like one of the Ethiopian kids Mm. he had a distended stomach yes and that's because his stomach was not absorbing the food mm. that he was intaking because he had what what they call a leaky gut. Yes. And so basically what a leaky gut is, is there's permeability in the gut lining. Mm. 
So what happens is when you have permeability in the gut lining, there's big holes. And so that wheat protein is not getting broken down to this lowest level as well as the milk protein. Mm -hmm. And so what are the results if you have milk proteins and uh, wheat proteins going in whole, your body is misinterpreting those particular proteins as morphine. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what what does a person that's high on morphine look like? If you have the permeability in your system, the proteins are not getting broken down to its lowest level. So when my son was laughing for no reason, I mean, he just would be sit there, sitting there laughing. And you're like, no one's cracked a joke. There's nothing funny on TV. Why is my kid laughing for no reason? Yeah. If your kid is flapping their hands, that's from a milk sensitivity, mm. from the casein protein. So you know a lot of kids that have autism flap their hands. Is that correct? Correct. My son no longer flaps his hands. Mm. And he used to do that on a regular basis when he was five years old, diagnosed with autism. Now, Grace does the laughing. She does it. uh, She does it more so when she's nervous. Okay. So the laughing, if no one's, if no one said something funny, or if there's nobody that she saw something funny on TV or someone cracked a joke, then that is somebody that is reacting to wheat or um, milk or soy. Yes. Soy can be misinterpreted as wheat as well. So her body is not breaking down that milk, soy, and wheat. So that's a gluten-free, casein-free, soy-free diet. Mm -hmm. The wonderful thing about being on a gluten-free, casein-free, soy-free diet is that now they have soy that you can get that's made from coconut. So you don't Mm -hmm. have to miss soy sauce. Right. There is, you know, so basically... Those are the type of things. Um, so that's one of the interventions that I did was a gluten-free, casein-free, um, soy-free diet. And that's when so, he was around five or six or seven. Right. I started that when he was around seven. Okay. So now he was chewing newspaper, too. Mm. So there was a lot of chewed-up newspaper in the back of the room. Well, years later, I actually didn't find this out until he was about 15 or 16, but there's gluten in newspapers. Mm. So how would a kid that's seven years old know that there's gluten in newspaper? They smell it. The, the, <laughs> the bacteria that's in a system that crave that particular, that pathogen, they crave wheat, they smell it. Mm. Because a seven-year-old wouldn't know that there's gluten in newspaper. I didn't know that there was gluten in newspaper. Right. So why is all this chewed-up newspaper in my in the back of my room? Because my son was still craving gluten. Wow. So it was an aha moment for me. Yes. You know, and then so I had to remove it so that he didn't have access to anything mm-hmm. because his body was still craving that. Right. So um, after I take, took him off the gluten-free, casein-free diet, or I put him on that diet, his stomach went down. Mm. And then he was a very rigid eater. Most children that have autism are very rigid eaters. So, and this, what it looks like is they eat all things white. So they'll eat french fries, they'll eat rice, they'll eat cheese, they'll eat flour tortillas, they'll eat (laughs) spaghetti, they'll eat potato chips, Mm -hmm. and they crave McDonald's french fries. Mm -hmm. So, 
anything white. That's what a, a lot of the kids that have autism are obsessed with. Right. When I removed those things out of the offenders out of his diet, he started eating. He eats everything. Yeah. You know, try anything once. Yeah. Okay. So he eats even frog legs. Like he 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 never would dare do any of that when he was younger. Mm. So we're looking at a different kid. Yeah. And uh, so one of the supplements that I used um, was this thing called Pediactive. Hmm. And so, because they said that he was like, he couldn't pay attention in school. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Okay. Right. So it's a chewable and it's a brain supplement. It's for kids that have ADHD, basically. And so... What what I would do is, like, when he was young, I would, like, give him a supplement, but I wouldn't tell the teachers and then see what their reaction would be. Mm-hmm. And then, so I went to pick up Jamal when I started the pediatric, and they says, I don't know what happened, but whatever you're doing at home, you need to continue to do it because he finished his work before everybody else finished their work mm. at school. And so, but, unfortunately, it would those type of things, that type of intervention would work for about five months, and then he would plateau. Yeah, you, your but body become because, immune to it. Right, well, and then that's because his body needed some other things. Mm. And I didn't realize that. So, um, you know, it's just a lot of hit, hit or miss. Yes. But So we started out with the gluten-free, casein-free diet. We, got, we received more language. We received a better eating palate. His belly was no longer distended. It, it it no longer was swollen. So and then he stopped hand he stopped all the hand flapping, mm. which is a big yes. distraction. So I was very happy. That was a win win win. Yeah. Oh, that was a huge win. Yes. So, but it was a lot of work for me putting him on a gluten free, casein free, soy free diet. Yeah. So that's what we started out with. And then, so, um, what a lot of people don't know is that when you have a kid that has autism, oh, let me go back to, okay, so, the high fever, I ran into this lawyer, it was at an event, like, because I I started going to all these autism events, Mm -hmm. and there was a lawyer there, his name is Jeff Fell, he has two twins that have autism, and he said, when did you know that your son had the mercury? induced autism. I said, I still don't know how he got the mercury, but I know that that's more of his symptoms. He told me the first sign of mercury poisoning is high fever. Hmm. So that put everything in perspective for me. Yes. Because you were able to look at the timeline. You were able to look at the timeline and see. Right. If you you see a child that's four days old and they have a fever of 106.5, they are ready to go into, like, seizure mode. Yes. Like, we were, like, getting ready to go in seizure mode. So let me so, ask you this. After you did the second shot and it happened, did you get shots? Did you get more shots after that? Yes, we got more shots, and nothing happened after that. Like, we didn't get the high fever. We only had that happen twice. Okay. But that was enough for all the other things to set in motion. Right. Oh, yeah. And the things that I would have done differently if I would have known, like, I didn't, oh, I'm sorry, you were going to ask the question? Mm-hmm. No, I'm just thinking. Okay. Ahead. Yeah. So, um, so, 
what I didn't realize in why my kid was sick all the time and getting thrush all the time and ear infections is that if you give a child that's four days old antibiotics, it wipes out both the good and the bad the bacteria. Bad, yes. And so I advise any parent that's had a child that's been sick, if your kid is sick, Don't give, give them, them yogurt. Yeah. Give, if you're going to give them antibiotics, Give them something to replace the friendly back, the friendly bacteria back right. in their system. Right. Because when you give yourself anybody a supplement like like a like an antibiotic, it's like an atom bomb. It wipes out everything in your gut, oh, yeah. whether it's good or bad. Yes. So you have to replenish the good. Yeah. It's and like... back in the fifties, what they would do is they would coat. And you can check this, this is all like documented. They would coat the pill with diflucan, which is a um, something that's an antifungal. And then what happened was the um, the medical association AMA came back and said you can't have two different prescriptions on one pill. On one pool, pill. Mm. So before they knew that you were going to have fungus that grew because they're giving you a pro- probiotic. So it got lost in translation where they just give you the the uh, the antibiotic and nothing to fight once you've wiped out everything. So you would any time that you take an antibiotic, you need to go ahead and, and take some right. probiotics. That's what I suggest now. And any time that I, and I try not to take antibiotics unless I just absolutely have, have to. to. Me too. There are a lot of products out there that you can use that do the same things as antibiotics. Right. Right. You just got to be well-versed in that arena. And I just, you know, because I've looked at a lot of alternative things, there's a lot of alternative things that you can do to replace those so you've nutrients never, that are lost. You've never used any of the medications for, like, behavior or any of those things. You've always taken the natural route. Yes, because there's too many side effects that are... Or take place. If I, this is my train of thought, I want to be, and I've always been a person that's always wanted to be in a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. So I want a double benefit. I don't want any side effects. The only side effect that I want is better behavior. Right. The only other side effect that I want to have is that um, the digestion is really, really good. You know, like so. For me, if I'm going to take a supplement, I wanted to benefit some other things as well. And we can get into that. One of the things I will tell you that helped Jamal out tremendously, and we we received a test for, and I believe it's like a $70 test. I asked my doctor, and this is here recently, because uh, Jamal's been, we've been dealing with aggression. Mm-hmm. And what I read was that um, most African, I would say 100% of African Americans are deficient in vitamin D. Yes. And, be, and the reason why we're deficient in it is because we have melanin in our skin. And so it blocks the absorption of vitamin D. And the only way that you can get vitamin D other than a supplement is it's through the sun. the sun. Yeah. Right. So in vitamin D is responsible for over 3,000 processes in your body. So it's absolutely a must-have for anybody, whether it be an African-American or someone that's sick. And one of the telltale signs of vitamin D deficiency is depression. Mm. First 
depression is something that's very heavy in children that have autism and really special needs children all the way around. Mm -hmm. And so since I knew that, I decided to have Jamal tested for vitamin D Mm -hmm. to see where his levels was. And this is how ironic this is. So we go to his doctor, his primary care, and I was like, hey, I want to get a test to see if he's deficient in vitamin D. So the doctor orders the test. So we go to Quest Labs to get the test, and there's no vitamin D test. So I call him up, and I was like, hey, you know, my doctor, I was like, you didn't do the test for vitamin D deficiency. He was like, well, I don't think Jamal has the vitamin D deficiency. I said, I understand that, but I still want the test. I want to see where his levels are. Mm. So a lot of times you have to put your foot down. All the time. (laughs) Yes. And so he orders the test. Okay, Ms. Palmer, we'll go ahead and order the test. Ordered the test. Jamal received a 7. Where your vitamin D is supposed to be? Between 70 and 80. Mm. So he was severely deficient in vitamin D. And like I said, that's like a $70 test. And so the doctor ordered a prescript for like 50,000 international units of vitamin D. Unfortunately, the doctor's script is not what alternative health people use. They use vitamin D3 with a K2 supplement. So... Vitamin D3 can come in many ways, but you want a a good quality supplement, and you want like 5,000 IUs. So what I did, and I'm still doing now, is I'm giving Jamal like, let's say, 20,000 international units with a K2 tablet. Mm. Vitamin D3 cannot be absorbed without K2. So the vitamin D3, I use four tablets of one K2. So let's say you take four tablets of the international unit, 5,000 international unit, and then you just, you only have to take the K2 one time that day. You don't have to take four for four. Okay, got it. So I don't want you to, yeah, okay. So, um, and I learned that from one of the um, doctors that I follow. Um, So, I slowly started taking the vitamin D and his mood changed. But I'll tell you the biggest game changer, and we talked about this uh, a while back, is I felt like he needed CBD, Mm -hmm. and um, I prayed about it, CBD with 5-HTP and uh, GABA. Mm. So this particular uh, CBD oil has those in within the supplement. Right. And, and, and mainly, people should do their research on that. You have to do your research. Right. And this is like not an overnight thing. I used to, when Jamal was first diagnosed at five years, eight months, I did about 12 hours of research every day up until this point. Mm. So I've, I've pretty, pretty much got at least 15 years of research and at least 10 to, to eight to 10 hours a day on alternative health and autism. So, okay, so so you want to know what the signs are. Let's say if this is working or if it's not working. So I started giving Jamal the CBD oil. And, and this is the God's honest truth. 
He was whistling. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. How many people do you know whistle <laughs> if they're depressed? Right. Do you know any depressed whistlers? Right. right. No, you yeah. do not. Yeah. And so I was just like, okay, it must be working. Right. And another gauge is he goes for it. I don't have to make him take that. I don't have to force him to take that. Right. And one of the biggest rewards from taking CBD is that when you have a child on the spectrum, it's hard for them to transition when they're upset. Oh, my God. So you're talking about two days, three days, five days. Jamal reminds me of stuff he was mad at like 10 years ago. Mm. So... The biggest reward from CBD oil is the transition from being angry is a lot quicker. Yeah. They get yeah. they get over that uh, way of being angry. It doesn't take five hours to get out of the anger. Right. right. You're talking about thirty minutes, a thirty minute transit. Trans- I know some people that need to use that. Not just joking. <laughs> uh, well, I think I can whistle. I need to distribute to my whole workforce. <laughs> Yeah, no, but the transition so, that's I got you because I that's actually Grace's biggest issue is the transitions. And, and if you use a good quality CBD oil, you will see the difference. Yeah, um, yesterday Jamal had a meltdown, he had a Christmas party. Now, tell him how old Jamal is now. He's 24. Okay, okay. So when I went to pick him up yesterday, he was sweating, he was upset, he was pacing back and forth because someone accidentally took his jacket Mm. and his cell phone was in there. Mm -hmm. And so he had no way of calling me and let me know that, you know, someone took his jacket. And I can tell he was clearly upset. Now that meltdown, if he wasn't taking the CBD oil, Mm. pretty much would have been throwing chairs. They would have been calling me saying he's not allowed back. Right. <laughs> so, okay, so gotcha. he was very upset. We talked about it in the car. And lo and behold, when he got home, guess what he did? What? He went in the refrigerator and got the CBD oil and took some right there. Oh, like I need to calm down. <laughs> so he knows it makes him feel better. Right. And that's right. like the best, best like way to know if something is working if you don't even have to make your child take it right and a lot of people don't know the cbd oil is not the it's not the one that has it or is it right no this one he's it has what he this cbd oil has 5-htp the gaba and um one other thing so no thc in it no THC. So, because THC would be the component that would actually make you high, or right, right. So it has none so of that. So when we're saying we're when he's whistling, it is not because he's high. It is because he feels good from the the, the CBD. Cannabinoid. Right. That, that's what it is. Correct. I get a little tongue there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah do your research, one. people. Not, do your research. Right. It is you have not to do the, your research. Yes. Yes. It's not the one that has a THC. When I right. said CBD, I said it had CBD, right? L-theanine, yes, GABA, and 5-HTP. That's the the ingredients, the one that I use, and all of those are would, would put you in a better mood, right? And then the last thing I want to talk about is at uh, at this particular time is melatonin. Mm-hmm. That was a game changer for yes. me as well. Yes, go ahead. Um, when when Jamal was little, before I even knew he had autism, 
I used to get in trouble by my mom. She's like, you need to put this boy on a schedule. And I'm like saying to myself, I'll make him go to bed at 8 o'clock, then he's up at midnight, and then I got to right. do this for the yeah, rest of I... the night. Okay, yeah. I'm like driving with toothpicks in my eyes trying to stay <laughs> up because this kid has been up all night. You know what I said? I said, forget it. He's just going to have to stay up. I'm, right. I can't make him go to bed at 8 and then he's up for the rest you of the night. You and a lot of parents. You and a lot of parents. So but many parents are I, connecting with you right now. Right. So, but what a lot of parents don't realize is if you have a nocturnal kid, the reason why you have a nocturnal kid is because they have a leaky gut. Mm. It is keeping them up all night. But they can't tell you that because they've been in that state for all of their lives. Yes. That is normal for them. So if you have a kid that smells like they threw up a little bit or they have a lot of thrush in their mouth, those are all gut issues. Mm. And we can talk about this at a later time. But the same amount of senses that you have in the gut, you have in the brain. Mm. So if you calm the gut down, that means that the gut can now re-communicate with the brain. Mm. So once you calm that gut down, it has the same exact nerve endings. They have more nerve endings in your gut than in your brain. So you, you take care of the gut. You're now getting communication back going on in between the gut mm. and the brain. That's why the hand flapping stopped. That's why we um, he started eating more. But one of the things, that, the problem that we had was the melatonin. So what happened was, I read somewhere, and I don't know where it was, that a lot of uh, a lot of kids on the spectrum respond to melatonin. I got a high quality melatonin just to see if I could get some rest, honey. Let me right. tell you. Gave that little boy <laughs> that magic pill. <laughs> in 30 minutes, he was gone. 30 minutes later, we was in heaven. I know. And it was and all let night. Me and <laughs> let me all. tell you, he, on school nights, Jamal has no problem taking melatonin. I asked Jamal, because my son is a pro, he has autism, but he's high functioning. And we didn't, he wasn't high functioning in the beginning. Right. But I asked him, why do you like the melatonin? He said it stops all the voices in his head. Mm. Like, so he, his brain is still up. Yes. It helps Ooh. him go to sleep within 30 minutes. Wow. And so when he went to school Monday through Friday or Thursday or Sunday through Thursday, he'd take melatonin, no problem. That's the only way he could go to sleep. Mm. And he was on a curfew, so he had to be in bed by 9 during the school week. Yes. So the melatonin... It. And, and to this day, if he wants to go to sleep, if I have, because I try to sneak, I got some really high quality melatonin, like mm-hmm. professional grade. Yes. He found it. He was like, Mom, can I have this melatonin? I was like, dang. Because <laughs> it, it, it costs a pretty penny. It's not cheap. Yes. And I was like, sure, sure, you can have it. He took it right on upstairs. Didn't worry about me. Honey, mm-hmm. he loves that melatonin. And, you know, I love it, too, because it's natural, and it helps them. And I'm all for a helping of them. You know, right. because we just want well, them to have some moments of, whew, you know, of relief. Well, here's, here's the thing. You can't be up 24 hours a day. True. And, and uh, if you're up there, if you're up 24 hours a day, you need to do something. So I hope, I hope this, you know, that person hears this message because 
It is a reason, and you cannot continue to function like that. You must do your research and do something about it. Right. It's called rest and digest. You have to be, your body has to be able to rest to uh, recycle itself. And if it's up 24 hours a day, when does it have time to do that? Yes. And then you're going to come to some type of moment that you don't want to be at. Yes. A crash. So it's important that you get rest. And so those are like some of the most profound things that have, that have helped Jamal. But there's some other supplements that we there's use some that we can other get things. into it. We, we are going to have a part two because I know you've helped me so much. and Because we didn't even get into like the diffuser oil, diffusion oils and all of those yes. things. Yes. And I really want to get into that because um, they have helped. And I want to help someone out there that is actually going through the same thing and all of that, but I appreciate you so much. I am going to have you send me the um, all the medicines we talked about today so I okay. can list it and get it out to people so they can do their research. I'm not saying just go buy it and right. check to, into it, it and see. It's due, it's due diligence. You hit that nail on the head, Kim. Yes. Due diligence. And just for a part two, my son, does the diffusers he it's, it's his go-to hmm. so how i know it's working is i don't have to make the boy take it if he's at my mom's house guess what he's doing you can ask my mother he will turn that diffuser on hmm. and he will put relax if, if he's sick he'll say mom what do i need to put in the diffuser you want to know why he's asking that because it helps him hmm. Not, i don't have to make him do that Right. He does that on his own. Uh, I will send you the supplements that Jamal takes. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I really enjoyed it. I look forward to the next. Thank you, Sanji.